listening to the podcast, A Resonant Life, produced by The Time Is Now Productions. I am Mike Thompson, your host and reflector-in-chief. In this podcast, we will discuss experiences and insights from living a life devoted to uncovering the authentic self and finding fulfilling purpose from the past, the present, and the future. This podcast is a product of my life and experience, and I'll share my opinions. Opinions between people are various, and we don't all need to hold the same ones. But it is fun to hear the opinions of others as it gives us an opportunity to freshen up our own. If you enjoy and gain insight from listening, please subscribe and share. If you have questions, please email them. And as always, Nothing you hear here is a proscription or a prescription. It is a discussion of life and life's internal and external experiences. So let's get to it. And welcome. Welcome again. Thank you for joining me today in another discussion of uncovering our authentic selves, and working through and transforming the challenges in our lives, turning them into fuel that keep us moving forward and committing to not only improving our own lives, but improving the lives of others as well. So before we get into our discussion today, I wanted to make one quick note. Um, so if you recall, our discussion of spiritual triggers in previous episodes, we're using the word spiritual triggers or triggers. But mm, instead of the word triggers, let's, let's call them cues instead. Cues, C-U-E-S, something that cues us. This is a, a positive word with positive connotations. A cue to go on stage, a cue to speak, a cue to play music, a prompt to do something. I like this word a lot. The word trigger has, it's taken on a different meaning these days, and I don't want us to get distracted or confused. So going forward, we'll talk about cues, spiritual cues to stop, reflect, and then act. Okay, so the title of today's episode is Grief and Loss, The Handbrake of Spiritual Progress. So obviously, we will discuss our experiences of grief and loss and how they can overwhelm us, essentially like a handbrake, freezing us, immobilizing us spiritually. Imagine driving down the road and then pulling that brake and everything comes to a stop. That's the effect that grief and loss can have on us. But we're not going to talk about how to get over grief and loss or how to end grief and loss. Rather, we're going to talk about how to embrace it, how to learn from it, how to use it as energy for us to more deeply grasp and internalize the Buddhist teachings of impermanence. And there's a bonus, but we'll get to the bonus later. So, I've been wanting to discuss this topic for a long while now. I've been working through my own grief and loss for the past four years. Um, 
To some, it might seem trivial or they might not understand, but dog lovers, let's say, or all pet parents, they'll get it. So we, we lost our beloved dog, Goulash, in March of 2019. And he was only eight. And he died very suddenly. Basically, he was fine, and then he wasn't. And then he was gone. For my husband and I, he was, he was woven into the fabric of our lives, woven so tightly. Our lives, our daily schedules, they were all built around him, built around goulash. He needed three to four hours of walk a day. And of course, his meals and companionship time, play time. And suddenly, without warning, the being we loved so dearly and who, is, who we had structured into our lives, into this beautiful tapestry of a family life, he was gone. Even now, I get a little cheery. Um, but in the days after, we could barely function and we wept constantly. And this is not unusual. This is certainly common when someone loses someone close. And I knew then, four years ago after it happened, I knew that we would slowly recover and rebuild and move on. And I knew intellectually that it would be slow and gradual and it would take some time, years, it would take some years. So, okay, let's pause my story here for a bit and let's just talk about the Buddhist doctrine of impermanence. Most of us have a general understanding of impermanence. It is essentially the realization that nothing stays the same. Everything changes always. Nothing lasts forever. And everything that is born must die. So maybe I've been moved to do this episode now because a deeply and respected and beloved Tibetan Lama recently died, Lama Zopa Rinpoche. He was someone whose teachings I've studied and um, to whom I, I felt a strong connection. He also died suddenly and all of his disciples and the monks from his monastery and other Buddhist masters in the Tibetan tradition have described his passing as Lama Zopa giving the ultimate teaching to his disciples, the ultimate teaching in impermanence. Not only is this a powerful way to look at his passing, but it is also a powerful way for his devotees and disciples who are bereft without him it's a powerful way for them to experience their grief and loss without putting on the handbrake of being overwhelmed by grief. The passing of celebrities and artists can also impact us. For, for me, I still feel loss from the passing of Prince and, and David Bowie. The world feels a little, less, a little less funky and artsy without them in it, creating their music and their art to me. So as I muse here on these particular losses which touch me, I, I, I can feel a melancholy starting to fill me. It started to fill me as I was talking about goulash. <laughs> it's an actual physical sensation. 
like the weeping of the eyes and kind of a thickness or heaviness in the chest, a weightiness being pulled down. That's the physical sensations I get. And that feeling, whatever it is for you, that physical sensation, that feeling and the awareness of melancholy, this is my cue. And so is the weeping, as I do often for my dog goulash. These are all my cues. So that feeling, that awareness, that's my cue. Cue to do what? Why? So it is the cue that I'm, I'm getting into a mindset that is not positive. It's not action oriented and it's not productive. It is a cue that I'm getting into a handbrake mindset. Melan melancholy is an expression of sadness and loss. It's a mind frame, a mental posture. It, it isn't bad per se, nor negative. I don't want to give that impression. Certainly great art sprouts from melancholy of artists. But melancholy, it's sticky. It can sort of overwhelm our minds and hearts, not leaving us much room for positivity not leaving us available to be present for others. And it, it becomes self-referential, a feedback loop that puts the brakes on our efforts to be positive, creative actors for happiness and peace. We turn inward. This happened to both me and my husband when Goulash died. It was hard to be there for each other when we were so subsumed in our individual grief, our, our loss and our regret. So, okay, recognizing a feeling of melancholy is a cue. This isn't a cue to stop feeling melancholy. It is not a cue to stop feeling sadness, stop feeling grief or loss. It's not a cue for that. Rather, it is a cue to enter these states of mind with intentionality, with awareness, with the goal of experiencing, feeling, and living with them for a bit of time, but then moving forward again and becoming a positive, engaged person to those around us. This is the path of empathy. Empathy isn't feeling someone else's pain, their loss, or their grief. Empathy is the ability to recognize the pain in another and to relate to it on a personal level. And relating to it without being submerged in it or overwhelmed by it, we can act to support, help, and console others. Our conscious and intentional experience of our own pain, loss, and grief, it, it lays the foundation for us to act with empathy. In a way, we consciously and intentionally embrace our own grief, our own feelings of loss, 
and use them as positive energy rather than letting them overwhelm us or freeze us up or numb our hearts and minds to others. Instead, they're, they're a call to action. A call to action. It's a, it's a wisdom with which we can act for others. So at this point, it is important to, to pull back a little bit and look at the Buddhist tenet of impermanence and understand it more deeply, more intimately. So the Buddha realized the nature of impermanence on his path to enlightenment, and he taught it to his disciples. So we should definitely consider it deeply. But, but we're going to do it in a limited way, as there, there are innumerable treatises and books and teachings on the many, many meanings of impermanence and the many, many ways of looking at it and the many, many ways of internalizing it and using it on our own paths to go forward. Millennia of teaching on this. So it, instead of getting overwhelmed by all that, we're going to really, as we pulled back to look at impermanence, now we're going to zoom in on aspects of impermanence. So, as usual, let's focus in on that aspect of it that is relevant to us thinking about grief and loss in our lives. I think the first level of understanding is pretty straightforward. People die. Loved ones, people we love, they die. Our animal companions die. Life is not permanent. What is born must die. It is a hard truth, a cold truth. But it is a straightforward truth. And no matter how much we avoid, dodge, rope-a-dope to keep it at bay, death will touch us in many ways until it gives each of us the final call. So when pushed, most everyone will admit this reality. Yet still, we, many of us, engage in avoidance, denial, whatever it takes to push away the realization of our own mortality. We ignore it. We just don't even want to think about it. Want to live in the moment and just live, right? But there's another side of this, one through which we acknowledge our mortality and commit to using this life right now for good. This is a, an important, positive teaching of impermanence. Because life is impermanent, life is precious. And we have this opportunity to use it for good. So we acknowledge our mortality and commit to using it, using it to help others, to make a better life for ourselves, to make a better life for those around us, to make a better world. There is no time to waste. We don't know when our lives will end. We don't know. So each moment is a precious opportunity that shouldn't be wasted. So keeping in mind the core meaning of impermanence 
Everything changes always. Nothing remains the same ever. Keeping that in mind, then we can be motivated to act now as best we can rather than dwell immobilized by grief. Do you see? Anything which immobilizes us, any handbrake to our spiritual progress, we need to transmute that into something that creates positive energy, helps us go forward. So specifically, we can help and support others who are immobilized by grief, frozen in loss, weighed down with regret. Our own grief and loss shows us the way to be of help to others. The negative aspects of these emotions become energy that we have transmuted into positivity. Grief and loss remind us of impermanence. They remind us that life can end. And they remind us that losing others hurts. And also realizing our own lives will end. Well, this does motivate us, right? It can. It can motivate us to act now, today, this moment. To use our precious life for others. Grief and loss don't need to be debilitating. We don't need to let these mindsets overwhelm and swamp us. Pulling the handbrake. Stopping our spiritual progress. Stopping our ability to help. Instead, we can use them. Grief and loss. We can use them to cultivate and deepen our empathy. We can use them to look out instead of in and to see those around us who need help. And again, this doesn't mean we suppress our grief. When I think of goulash, our sweet pop, my grief and loss feel just as fresh today as it did four years ago. Tears well up in my eyes, I'll sob a bit, then I'll sit down, reflect, remember, recall. Even now, talking about it, the grief greets me. But now my grief, it's my ally. It's a source of energy. It's a force that helps me to reach out, that pushes me to go forward and help others. And in doing so, I go further towards uncovering my authentic self. I go further towards discovering it and bringing my authentic self to light. So in that, in that, in these actions, in these realizations, we can wipe away the tears and we can smile and face the day. We can face the rest of our lives, however long those lives are, as actors engaged. Okay, here's the bonus that I promised earlier. It is a prayer that I feel touches on and captures truth. Um, with a capital T, big truth. Um, and it's something that helps me get through my grief and loss. Um, it's a prayer shared by Her Holiness uh, Keishu Shinso, the head of Shinyo Buddhism. And I hope that it's a prayer that will help you in your life as well. So, may our pain and sadness 
be halved through sharing. May our joys be doubled by sharing. And may we, hand in hand, move forward together. Thank you for listening today and continuing to work with me on the project of uncovering our authentic selves. I hope you have a great day or a great night, whatever whatever time it is that you've been listening to this. I hope it's great. And I look forward to our next discussion. Please go forward using grief and loss as energy to help others, energy to awaken, and another way of uncovering your authentic self. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe and share. If you'd like to share your own experience, thoughts, or ask a question, please send an email to mike at resonant.social. With gratitude, theme music is courtesy of Stock Audios, distributed by Pixabay. A Resonant Life is a podcast from the Time Is Now Productions.